Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? Couldn't be better today, Tim. Thank you so much for asking. I hope everyone listening is doing fantastic. Tim, how are you? I am doing great. Thanks a lot for asking. And I'm especially great that we are speaking with our good friend Patrick Hines of True Crime Obsessed on this episode. He is a ball of energy and he's now on tour. As, as he always is. He's always on tour. You're so right with the ball of energy. This one is such a fun roller coaster ride because we talk about last year's Obsess Fest, the new one that's coming up in Dallas in October of this year. And you mentioned his tour, his book reading tour. I got to say, I ended up going to the one in Boston and I think it was chapter two that he read from the second he came on stage to when he left. It was nonstop hilarity. There were very poignant moments in it as well. He just had the audience in the palm of his hand. Well, I can believe it. He's got some tour dates coming up. He's going to be in Los Angeles in February, on February 26th. He's going to be in Seattle, Orlando, Atlanta. Some of these shows are sold out, though. Indianapolis and Kansas City coming up in April. And his book is titled Failure is Not Not an Option, and it chronicles 12 stories from his life where he's failed in some fashion, but it's made him a stronger person and it's led to the success that he's having now. I can't wait to read it, Lance. You can learn more about Patrick and his tour and what he's doing on True Crime Obsessed at truecrimeobsessed.com. And a couple of quick things to note about this episode. It doesn't start off the way our usual episodes start off. Patrick was having some technical difficulties and we found it particularly funny, so we left that in. Also, so like a not smart person, I accidentally deleted my audio track. So what you hear is actually me, but it's from the Zoom track. It is me, I assure you, but it's not how I usually sound. And also the very end of the episode, we talk about Patrick accidentally starting a cult and then he's made aware of the fact that he's late for a phone call and he has to go. So it sort of has this amusingly abrupt ending. So just again, a couple of things to note before getting into it. Also, we had mentioned this nonprofit organization. It's called Kaleidoscope Youth Center. This is the organization that they raised over $10,000 for at Obsess Fest, and the drag queen Virginia West is a part of this organization. It's essentially a community house for LGBTQ kids, homeless kids who are transgender. It's this inclusive home. So when you hear us talk about this and we can't remember what it is, that's what it is. And you'll find a link to it in the show notes. And Tim, you know what else there's a link for in the show notes? Take a wild guess. Ah, geez. Uh, The missing link. The subservice link. Oh, I should have known. Okay, yeah, yeah. You can subscribe to Crawl Space Premium right there in your Apple Podcasts app. If you're an Apple user, it's real easy. And if you're not an Apple user, you can go to crawlspace.supportingcast.fm and sign up for Crawl Space Premium. What you get is every single episode ad-free. You also get some early releases. And you'll get our weekly bonus show, which is a lot of fun. Oh, I almost forgot to ask you, Tim. If people want to follow us on social media, where in the universe can they find this? That's a great question. Folks can follow us on social media on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Crawl Space Podcast or Crawl Space Pod. And we'll be right back after we hear a quick word from a couple of sponsors with Patrick Hines. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. 
Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days In, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. What a night! What a nightmare! <laughs> Holy Patrick moly. Hines, welcome Hi, back boys. to the show. How are Hi. you today? I'm a little frazzled. I'm a little flustered. <laughs> I just spent like 15 minutes trying to figure out why my system isn't working. I have about a kindergarten level knowledge of audio equipment anyway. And we don't have an engineer here today and nothing was working. And then I was running around and I'm like screaming at my husband. I'm wasting their time. <laughs> I'm wasting to be a Lancey's time. It's totally fine. Only yeah. one person in the world that will waste our time and it will be absolutely worth it. And it's you. <laughs> oh, I love you guys so much. I'm so sorry. Like, this is what I get for waiting until the very last second to get my shit set up. My God. <laughs> Gave Tim and I an opportunity to go down a very unexpected rabbit hole of Casey Kasem because you did an uh, episode on Casey Kasem yeah. and we're like, Casey Kasem? <laughs> That's so funny. I was just thinking about that this morning. The Casey Kasem story is wild. You can spend like your entire life doing the right thing, getting all your stuff in place like accumulating 40 million dollars and still end up in the back of some crazy lady's suv for three hours while she like absconds with you to the middle of the desert it's wild all roads are paved with good intentions and not all roads lancy how long have you been in this business <laughs> that's true <laughs> hi you guys it's so good to see your handsome faces it's so great to see your handsome face how look how at all these handsome and, faces and steve so many and, and daisy doing i know right How's the fam? Everyone's good. You know, Steve is like, everything's a little crazy because my tour just started, but and Daisy was sick and I got COVID over Christmas and they didn't get it. So like, you know, it's just been one of those times, but everyone's good. How about you guys? How are your families? Great. Yeah, everyone's doing good. Tim is in the middle of a move. The only person who's helping him is his father-in-law and he's not even really helping that much. He helped a lot comparatively. Okay. Singing a different tune now that we hit the record button, aren't we, Timmy? Aren't we? <laughs> Well, Patrick, you got so much going on. You mentioned your tour. Tell us about yeah. this tour. What are you doing on tour now? Well, you all know about my desperate need for attention. So, like, I, I hadn't been in front of an audience for a minute, and I was like, I need to fix that. I wrote a book. My book is coming out September 26th, my mother's birthday. And it's called Failure. It's a long title. It's called Failure is Not Not an Option. It's like 12 stories about like times I've epically fucked up in my life. Just like big failure stories. And how like failure is like ultimately a good thing. But the subtitle is How the Chubby Gay Son of a Jesus Obsessed Lesbian Found Love, Family, and Podcast Success. So it's kind of like my meandering journey through like failing until I succeeded. And so the tour, it's like I'm just going out on the road, like previewing a really funny chapter of the book. So it's, you know, me in front of an audience reading this chapter with like slides and video. The chapter that I'm reading for this part of the tour is all about my drama club days in my high school drama club and this summer acting program that I went to. And it's just like really funny stories about me taking myself way too seriously and thinking I'm a really great actor when I absolutely was not. Like being kind of a diva in my high school drama club. And, you know, it's it like also like there's like the story of like my first love is like wrapped up in there. It's a very fun, funny 
great thing. And so like, that's what it is. So I'm doing like reading the chapter and doing a Q and A just like hanging out. It's like a really fun, there's small houses, like meeting people. It's just like a really fun way to like get back out there in front of people, I guess. It's a really interesting time to tour the middle of the winter. You're going yeah. right into, you know, New England and New York and DC. It's like the right timing for you because you said you wrote the book. <laughs> the book is like mostly done. We're now we're doing like the final, final edits of it. It's mostly done. It's it's done enough for me. I'm like, why are we still working on this? Uh, Jillian and I will be going on tour for True Crime Obsessed starting in April. So this is kind of like the tour before that tour. And then we have Obsessed Fest in October. So it's like now through April, will be this tour and then april through like july august will be jillian and me and then october's obsessed fest i'm having such a good time like reading this story that i'll probably i'm like adding more cities as steve allows me to so right now i'm going to i think 12 we're adding two more next week i want to add two more for the summer so it's like i kind of never want to be home <laughs> not, <laughs> not because i don't love my family i just it's it's so fun to do this if this is what you're doing before the book is out i can't imagine the yes. tour after the book is out. I know it's going to be really crazy. I mean, there's there's uh, there's already some talk of turning this into an actual stage show. You know, we might do a sit down off Broadway with like bigger plans for it or tour with it. It's really funny. Like it's a really, really funny book. And it's made even funnier by like all of the supplemental material I have, like videos from me in high school drama club and all the pictures of oh, me wow. in high school. You know, it's really yeah, you got well, Lancey loves me enough to come to the Boston show. So Sorry. he's going to get the full treatment you're gonna see the whole you're gonna see the whole thing lancy i am super excited about it because one it's a monday night no one likes mondays and i, I hate to sound cliche but All right, garfield yeah like <laughs> i don't want to sound like garfield here i'm gonna tuck myself into my little box with my lasagna but it's a it's a yeah. great thing to be like I'm doing something on a Monday night. With our touring agents, they're like, um, we don't know how this is going to go, so we're just going to like put you in comedy clubs at off nights. And then we started selling out in a bunch of cities. I'm like, we need bigger theaters. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah, you sold out pretty much everything. Yeah, we, we still have some tickets available in Dallas and in Austin. Those are bigger houses. In Seattle, that's a bigger house. We have some tickets there. But yeah, we're selling out in most of the cities. Again, we're playing small houses on purpose because, you know, I'm sticking around after the show. I want to meet everybody who wants to say hi. And so it's meant to be like an intimate, fun book reading. The book is a part comedy, part memoir? Kind of all memoir. So it's kind of like the funniest stories from my life, like all the different ways I've just like made an ass of myself with the idea that like failure is a good thing. You know, my big conclusion in the end is kind of like, if you fail at something, it means you tried. And if you try, like that is to be celebrated, you know? You can't fail at something that you're not trying to do. And the act of trying is like, the it's, the, it's better than even succeeding, you know? It's like showing up for yourself. And that's kind of like what we're all here to do, like create stuff and do stuff and pay the bills and make the ends meet and drag ourselves out of bed when we don't want to. Like it's a sort of a celebration of trying is kind of what the book is. It sounds like a redefining of the word failure because yeah. that word is always lumped into something negative. You failed, you right. failed, you failed. But there's more learning that comes from failing than comes from succeeding at something 100% if you succeeded at something and your life went down that path that is not this path yeah. that is such a loss 
Well, th- thank you. I mean, you know, it's true. Like all the different things, like all the different jobs I wanted to have. Like at one point, I was like really focused on being an executive assistant. Can you imagine? Like I don't, I barely know Microsoft Word. I can't use Microsoft Excel, but I got myself an executive assistant job and I was terrible at it. And there's a whole part of the book about it. But like, if I had been great at that, you know, I'd be doing that right now instead of sitting here talking to you guys. It really is about failure as just like part of the story. Pa- failure is like part of the journey. Whenever anybody asks me like, what would you go back and tell yourself like what would you do differently and i'm like nothing like fail more fail often that's my that's my advice to everybody try new things get out of your comfort zone even making a true crime podcast one of the first things i said to you guys when i met you years ago when i decided we wanted to try to do this we had no idea if it would work if the people who were here first like you guys would think it was just ridiculous and wouldn't make any room for us and that was a real possibility but instead you all welcomed us in with open arms so here we are you know like that was something we tried that really worked but we were prepared to fail and figure out another way. And so like that, that's kind of the whole idea is that you just try and try and try until you hit the thing that works. I love it. Taking the negative connotation out of the word failure. Well done. Yeah. Making it funny, you know? Good. All right. Well, tell us about Obsessed Fest 2022 and 2023. What is going on? You know, the idea for Obsessed Fest really was, it came out of the pandemic that like for me and I think most extreme extroverts, like we just kind of had a really hard time. It was two years of isolation. And all I wanted to do was like get together with all of my creator friends that I hadn't seen in two years and, you know, find a way for all of our listeners to come together. We picked Columbus because it was kind of like in the middle of the country. So we figured that most number of people would be able to get there, you know, rather than doing like a Seattle or a Boston, you know, like somewhere that is as accessible to everybody. It was really like a dream come true. It was everything I wanted. I wanted to build a community of listeners. I wanted them to find each other and us to find them and them to find us. But then I also really wanted to foster new relationships in the creator community. I just wanted to see all my friends that I never get to see who are also creators. But I also wanted creators who had never met to meet each other and become friends. And we should all know each other better. We all do the same thing. There's so many opportunities for us to support each other. We should be doing that. I got to tell you, like, that's exactly what happened. You know, it was the most fun convention I've ever been a part of. And the fact that like I spent a year planning it. I think the thing that I did the most right was hiring this amazing events company. They were responsible for all of the execution. I have a great team behind me here at the network who was really able to like take my ideas and make them better, sharper, deeper. Yeah. I mean, you tell me your experience. Did you guys have a good time? A remarkable time. And We've kind of stopped calling it like a true crime festival. It was like a podcast yeah. family event. It was yes, yes. This is not a true crime festival. And what you had said about meeting new people, we met so many new people outside of our usual circle. So it yeah. was great to expand that network. We've had episodes with them. We've had interviews with them. And aside from just having a good new relationship, one example is Chris Walker. Oh yeah, Chris Walker is the the voiceover narrator of uh, the TV show Disappeared. For people who don't know. At the network we were making a show called obsessed with disappeared where we recapped that show we ran out of episodes it's now called i think not but chris walker got the show like immediately and became like a part of the family like from episode one which is amazing and yeah when we started speaking with him and we had him on the show he started bringing other cold cases to the table that brought the our attention to it and oh, we wow. started we did episodes on that So on the level of like, oh, we made new friends. I just, people really need to know what you put together worked so well that now we're 
bringing attention to cold cases, missing person cases, all of that. We're bringing more attention to ones yeah. that people just didn't know about before because we're communicating with a new group of people. That's amazing. It was remarkable. Yeah. I love hearing that. And I, and I love that. Like, yeah, we're not really calling it a true crime podcast convention. It is mostly true crime creators and, and people who have sort of existed in that space are the people who are there. I have great respect for all of the conventions that exist. I think they're wonderful and everybody should go to all of them. I am not a competitive person. I never have been. I would much rather we all support each other. I just think ours is a little bit different in that it's a little softer like we have a big drag element to ours like there was drag bingo all weekend we ended the whole thing with a drag brunch it, you know and one of the things that happened at the drag brunch was Virginia West who is like the big drag queen in Columbus who brought her whole family to sort of like be the entertainment for the weekend this was completely unprompted by us this was she did this on her own made this whole speech about inclusivity and how drag is all about including people and making people feel seen and understood and at the Obsessed Network that's perfectly aligns with who we we are and it's just about like inclusion it was such a wonderful unplanned moment that like you know we also like raised in a minute we raised like ten thousand dollars for a local lgbtq organization we're hoping to raise like a hundred thousand dollars for organizations in dallas and so like that that's just kind of what sets us apart it's a very warm environment it's a very welcoming environment we're very aware of like our sober community we want them to feel really like welcome because i think our network can have a little bit of a of a reputation of being a little boozy little boozy over here at the Obsessed Network. But like, it's mostly a joke and it's mostly just meant in silly fun. You know, Mischief Management, the events team that we partnered with, sent out a whole questionnaire about what people's special needs were. We were very attuned to what the disabled community would need, the blind community, the deaf community, the other communities that I don't even know about or can't name that all, like, that was one of the biggest pieces of feedback we got was that they had never received a question like that before. And we were able to accommodate, like, everybody who had a request. That I'm very proud of. I, I'm proud of the affordability. The tickets are basically $200 and that gets you in for the weekend. You get all of the programming. And I know that's, like, a lot of money for many, many, many people it's as low as we could possibly make the ticket prices that matters to us we want this to be accessible to as many people as possible we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor and a thank you to our sponsors back to the program yeah, you um, even had uh, like an Alcohol Anonymous meeting, right? Alcohol Yeah, Anonymous. we had two. We found people to moderate them from within the sober community, within our community. And we want to expand that for year two. So yeah, that's really, yeah, that's really important to us. I probably should have attended one of those meetings. I uh, I, I got wasted the, the night before the drag brunch and couldn't make it, Patrick. I <laughs> oh, promised you right. I was going to make it. And I Poor felt so Timmy. bad. Yeah, I gotta tell you, that drag brunch beat the Guinness Book of World Records. It's now holds the record for the largest attended drag brunch in history. Year two is gonna even beat that record. Um, and I gotta tell you, it was like the drag brunch was such a magical experience for me because it was the first time in the entire weekend that I didn't have to do anything. So I just like showed up, I sat I sat down. 
I realized that everything was taken care of and I just got to sit with my family and and like eat and watch a show and I burst into tears. I basically did not stop crying for the entire like two hours. I was so, I was so overwhelmed by how well done it was. I, for months and months and months was so worried about how are we going to feed 900 people at once? Like give them an actual good breakfast while having a bar and it just it was handled and it was perfect and the food was good and everyone was happy and having a good time. So many people, like I'm Damien Nichols was there and he was like was experiencing his first drag brunch and just like getting to watch him sort of like experience that with his wife Lori it was it was incredible it really was amazing to look over at you sitting at the table when you were emotional about that because you could really read in your body language that this was a year and 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 changed all coming to this moment and you yeah. really didn't have to worry about it. you you nailed it the food was great and what yeah. was even more impressive was that they were right on it with coffee refills 900 people and it was like yeah you've you've refilled my coffee three times how is that possible i just want to say you mentioned the speech yeah uh what was her name virginia west virginia virginia west i keep wanting to say virginia wolf and i know it's wrong and it stumps me (laughs) Uh uh-huh you know some performers will say things to the audience to ingratiate themselves to the audience and relate to them but you could tell when she was saying we are blown away at you guys. Yeah. And that's what motivated her to go into that whole, this is just like what we want to represent in the drag community, inclusion, family. And then when you started the raffle to raise money for that organization that helps kids, it's like an after-school program, right? Yeah. Yes. I wasn't even sure. Like it didn't even occur to us until that moment that we should like, oh my God, raise money for like a local organization. And I can't remember which one it was now, but it was, yes, it's, it has to do it. Like it was helping kids. That was why it was so important to us. Yeah. It was kids to go to a safe place after school. And I think Virginia had some affiliation to it. Like, yes, I remember Aaron and Justin from generation Y, like we were all kind of talking. We're like, well, maybe we could like, Started off with a couple hundred bucks just uh-huh. to get it going. Within 20 seconds, it was up to like 2000. We're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just want to say, like, you were talking about like $200 for the ticket price and you want to keep them low, but this is yeah. the type of atmosphere that was created there. People knew that this wasn't like a money grab and they were, they were so willing to bid on this to help. And and that was the point. It's funny that like an event like that, I was only willing to do it if it was going to look good. I didn't want it to be like a ballroom space with no signage. We spent just a ton, tens of thousands of dollars on signs and posters. And ultimately the, the event lost money, which we knew going in, it was going to be like a money loser. Because like a year one of an event like that, whatever, I just was afraid that it was going to look too good that people were going to think that like Obsessed Network was walking out of there with like tens of thousands of dollars in profit, which could like not be farther from the truth. But you're right. People seem to really understand that it wasn't about making money. It was about bringing a community together. You know, like there's this one, there's this gay couple, these two guys who met, they didn't know each other. They met there. They now live together. They're coming to year two. Like they met like the loves of their lives there. That is so cool. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. 
So year two is going to be in Dallas, Texas, October 20th to the 22nd. I think most, if not all, of the creators from last year are returning. We're bringing in new creators as well. True Crime Obsessed and uh, Obsessed with Disappeared, which is now called I Think Not, will also be doing the same live, not the same shows, but we'll also be doing live shows like we did last year. We're having the drag element throughout as well. We're having so much cool true crime content. We're like, we're up like a five, 10 minute walk from Dealey Square, Dealey Plaza. Oh, we finally get our Dealey Plaza moment. Exactly. So we're going to Dealey Plaza. We're going to bring in like JFK assassination experts. We're adding a whole cult thing this year that we didn't have last year. I'm just really, I'm really excited. It's going to be two and a half full days of, of programming, meet and greets, hangouts, drag bingo, drag brunch, book signings. We already have confirmed for year two, you guys. And Robbie Atraudry is coming back. Damian Eccles uh, is coming back. Everyone from last year is coming back. And we're adding more in addition to that. Oh, and this year... Every ticket sold to the event comes with a copy of my book. Oh, my God. Yeah, Amazing. and I'll be signing books, like, all weekend. So that's going to be wild. My book will have just come out. So the book comes out September 26th, and then, uh, like, uh, October 20th is when Obsessed Fest starts. Do you ever think, like, did I just bite off too much there? No, I mean, again, like, for the biggest lesson I've learned is surround yourself with people who are smarter, better, like, just better at everything than you are. And that's kind of what I did. The events team is handling that end of it all. People will receive their books in the mail before they arrive, so they're not going to be picking up their books on site. We'll have a bookstore again like we did last year. It's just, it's so exciting. It's just, I, I'm so excited to see this event grow and grow and grow. Good. And and you're planning on uh, future years, too, past year two? Oh, yeah. We already have our city picked out for year three. Great. Once we like lock down a location and dates, I can announce that. Yeah. You know, for me, I really, I, I believe in community so much. It, it's, it, it, it's one of the things that drives me the most. And honestly, like just getting to see my friends, you know, so like, I never get to see you guys. I never get to like see Payne Lindsay. I never get to see Rabia, Bob, you know, I have to throw a party once a year where we all get together because otherwise I wouldn't see you guys and that's not okay. Well, you are amazing. I love you. Uh, we love you, Patrick. It's uh, it's real and true and, uh, and it's yes. amazing. And reciprocated. Good, yeah. Now, I want to know something about your life outside of the public sphere because yeah. on True Crime Obsessed, you obviously talk about a lot of documentaries. You talk about true crime all the time. You are obsessed by yes. nature of the title of the podcast. So what do you do with like current news crime stuff? Because what you do on True Crime Obsessed is mostly cover documentaries. So like Brian Koberger, for example. It's so funny that you mentioned that because it's very hard to stay on top of like current events for true crime news. The, I there like I love true crime podcasts. I don't listen to them as much as I used to because I do need a little bit of separation because I'm in it all day, every day. But the Brian Koberger, the Idaho College Murders, I, of course, knew that they had happened. I didn't know any of the specifics until today when I started listening to the Dateline podcast episode about it. If we had done this interview yesterday, I would not have known who that was when you said Brian Koberger. It is really hard to like stay. There are cases that I kind of am, I have Google alerts set for that I'm kind of obsessed with that I'm like, if there's ever any news, like I need to know about it. Staying on top of like the current event stuff is hard. It's definitely hard for me. But when a documentary comes out about that case, like you, you guys will cover it pretty quickly. And uh, yeah, 
right away. I mean, we have like, my God, somebody asked me when we first started this, like, are you going to run out of documentaries? I was like, I wish, I wish put us out of work is what I say all the time. Stop murdering <laughs> each other. And we'll like, I'll go back to being a bartender or whatever. You know, there's so many, we have a list a mile, like years long, but with like newish like stuff, as soon as like, if something comes out, we try to bump it to the top. I've never heard of ha like half of the documentaries you cover. And I watched a lot of true crime documentaries. I, I thought, yeah, with the advent of like Discovery Plus and Peacock, there's so much content out there. That, that, like, there's so much stuff I wouldn't know about either if we weren't, if I didn't do this for a living. But like every week, I mean, if you just go to Discovery Plus, I feel like there's probably literally like not being hyperbolic, there's probably 10 years worth of content on there. Like, if you were to start watching right now and not stop, you could probably watch content for 10 straight years. <laughs> Jeez. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. And there's so many sh like there's shows I've never heard of. And, and yeah, it's wild. What's some of the uh, more recent ones that you've covered that have sort of popped for you? That's a good question. You know, we hadn't this is not super new, but there was a, a, a documentary on Hulu called Captive Audience about the Stephen and Carrie Stainer cases. And I knew that story very well, but I thought the documentary was really good. Right now we're covering House of Hammer about Army Hammer and, and the whole Hammer family. It's so crazy because, like, there's so much abuse generationally in that family, I think, was uncovered in the course of all of this. But, like, Army Hammer, what is presented in the documentary by the victims is true, and there's no reason not to believe them. He's a real sick fucking guy. Like, a like, like that guy needs to be off the streets. Like, there's a documentary uh, from a couple years ago called The Cannibal Cop. Do you remember this? There was a cop in New York City who had all these fantasies about, like, tying up and eating, like, killing and eating women. And, you know, he was arrested and he's like, like, whatever. It was just like a fantasy. I was never going to do it. But then you learn that he'd been actually stalking one and like had, had made arrangements to like take a secret trip. He was on the verge of doing, of doing it, of like living out the fantasy. And it is really scary. Like that kind of behavior. Like, yeah, where does that come from? You know, like how does one become a cannibal? You know, like Ar Army Hammer is literally... There are DMs from his like verified account to women saying like, I am a cannibal. I want to eat you. It feels so good to like actually say it out loud. And you can see he's not kidding. It is something that he wants to act on. It's crazy. So you're saying that's not for you? I thought about it and I was like, you know what? No, <laughs> no, I uh, no. Can you imagine? Like, I, I don't know. I want to say something like hashtag not all cannibals, but probably. <laughs> Find young cannibals. Exactly. You drive me crazy. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> now, that is a crazy story. I don't know where to put any of that, to be honest. I really don't. Yeah. But those are the ones like, you know, like, like the, these true crime documentaries are just like crazy. Like everything is just like, how is this happening all around us all the time? We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Are there trends in documentaries that you can observe uh, through covering so many of them and especially new ones? Are, are, is, is there something that you can forecast? Well, thank God there's been a real 
focus in the last two years of covering things like this happening to people of color. Before that, you'd see a show like disappeared. Once a season, they would cover somebody of color. It wasn't until like season five that they you saw like your first gay story. Thank God there's a trend in that direction. And I think that will for sure continue. I mean, it, it's just kind of all over the place. I mean, you know, we're not seeing as many podcasts being developed for documentaries now because I think what was happening was like they were kind of just taking podcasts and then just like turning them into documentaries and everybody listened to the podcast. So there's, you know, they're always looking for like new information if they're going to make a documentary out of it. So no, it's hard to forecast like what people are doing. I like it when there's a, a, a trend towards like quirky stories, like the Pepsi, where's my jet or the, um, the twas the fight before Christmas. Did you guys see that one from Apple plus? Didn't no, see I was going to ask yet, no. what that one was all about. It was about this guy. He was the worst where like he basically he was a lawyer and he just wanted to create like a, a like a, a Clark Griswold style Christmas spectacular out of his house. But he was literally bussing in 5000 people into the neighborhood, overrunning the traffic with no regard for his neighbors. And then when the neighborhood association tries to shut him down, he brings in the three percenters with like guns to like stand guard over his like just insane. But but like a fascinating story. Yeah. What about the uh, the most hated man on the Internet? We spoke with that Charlotte Laws lady. Wow. You spoke with Charlotte Law. We did, yeah. yeah. Wow. She did pretty great work trying to take down that uh, that son of a bitch. But we had a great conversation with her. The work that she did getting her daughter's images down and the work that she... I mean, she really collected all of that information from the victims. And she was really a victim advocate in, in a, a very inspiring way. So, yeah, she did... Like, she was amazing. She was, you know, a mother on a mission. And she did, like, amazing work. You know, like, that's what it's... That's what it's all about. Like, I always imagined if something like that happened to Daisy, I would go to the, like, there'd be no end of what I, of what I would do to make it right. And it's like piece of shit. Like he reveled in ruining these people's lives. It wasn't enough to just like put up these like horrible images without their consent. He, he loved that he was ruining their lives. That was part of it for him. He lived his life as if he was making millions of dollars, but he wasn't making nearly as much money. No. I mean, it, you know, and I love that Anonymous got in and Anonymous just ruined his life. That was the other amazing part of that whole situation. Yeah. She actually told a really funny story about when she was taking him down. This wasn't included in the docuseries. When she was taking him down, she went to one of his gigs where he was DJing. And oh, it was God. like this hotel and it was like kind of a small conference room. He had a cup of beer and he threw the beer up like he was partying. He threw the beer up and it came down and went all over his laptop. So his entire like DJ set was just him trying to fix his laptop. <laughs> that was like the 30 minutes I spent trying to get my fucking microphone to work for this interview. <laughs> I don't think you need beer all over it. I know that's true. <laughs> that is, I mean, that is just like people get what they deserve, you know, like anonymous had him declared legally dead in California. Like, do you know how much that fucks up your life? Like, oh, it's wow. incredible. But like, how is he really off the internet though? You know, that's like the one thing, like, I know he's been banned from the internet, but how can yes. you really do that? It's really unenforceable, you know, but like, you know, it's gotta be, if he gets caught, like it, he'd be right back to prison. So you would think that that would be enough of a enough of an incentive to stay off of it. But yeah, it's it's not enforceable. Let me ask you a question. Let's say someone like him or even him, let's say 
he approached you and said, I see what you've been doing with this Obsessed Fest. I've turned my life around and I want to speak. Absolutely fucking not. There is there is definitely a point of no return. You can do things that you will not be forgiven by me for. And this person has done that. It would be kind of like, it'd be kind of like Carrie Stainer being like, well, what I showed him, like I, I showed him where I put the body. Can I like come and talk about, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, like that person is irredeemable to me. I'm not saying that like human life doesn't have value, but just not to me. Yeah, he, he is a piece of shit. The amount of people that, that it would make feel uncomfortable. Like the thing that I love about Obsessed Fest is like, it's such a safe space. I know you covered Bad Vegan. That was a really interesting documentary that we watched. And I definitely listened to your episodes on it as well. Kind of a wild Wild story. Yeah. The thing about Bad Vegan that we really struggled with, you know, Sarma Smingelis, I think is how you say her name. She was very manipulated by the man who did all of these things to her. And Jillian just kept saying over, Jillian and I kept saying over and over again, we have to acknowledge what, that we know what we don't know. We know what we don't know. We know what we don't know. You know, like it, it was kind of hard to see how she allowed herself to be manipulated to the point of like her restaurant shutting down and it be like costing the livelihood of like 30 people. That's another thing that's so fascinating about these documentaries is that you're seeing experiences that you like can't relate to. Like I believe her. I believe what she's saying. I just don't understand how it can happen. But I've been to that restaurant. I went and ate a pure food and wine once and it was the absolute worst meal of my life. Oh, it no. was disgusting. Cause it's raw vegan food and everyone was like, it's amazing. It's amazing. We went and I was like, no, this is disgusting. This is really gross. Was Sarma running it at the time? I, she must have been. Jillian and I kept trying to pin down the date that I was there. But she, I mean, it was like, yeah, it, it must have been during her time there. You just mentioned how you didn't know how these things would escalate. And I'm curious if you watched the uh, Don't Pick Up the Phone documentary. No, I haven't watched that yet. But that's about like this like prank caller getting managers to like take naked pictures of their employees and stuff. Oh, it's worse than that. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's what you're talking about is like, this doesn't feel as small until the next thing. And well, yeah, I did this and I need to do this. And it's that whole like authority chain. And it really is beyond just the simple like, well, how could someone do this? Or how could someone allow themselves to have that happen to them? You have to look at it in the whole moment and how these little things build up and escalate to the point where you're like, I can't fucking believe yeah. I'm doing this. I mean, again, it's easy to say I can't imagine that would ever happen to me. But like, if you guys started a cult, I'd probably join it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, you just never know. You just never, you know. It's so funny. Like, I said this at Obsessed Fest, and I get this at Q&As all the time. There, People are like, you're always saying, like, did, did we start a cult? Like, did we accidentally start a cult? And I'm like, I'm not trying to start a cult, you know? Like, when we're at Obsessed Fest, and there's like 2,000 of us in a room, and like, you're all here, and you all paid money to be here, and I'm saying on the stage by myself talking i'm never gonna ask you to like give me all of your money and abandon your family i'm not i'm actively trying to not start a call so don't let me well, I would say there's documented evidence now that you, you really can't be a cult leader because one of yes. the things is that you're not wrong, right? As a cult leader, you're basically not wrong about anything. And the name of your book sort of says oh. that you've been wrong about a lot of things yes. in the past. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'd be the I would be a terrible cult leader because as soon as it became a cult, I'd be bored with it. I'd be like, I don't want to I don't want to be your leader. I'm, I hate this. <laughs> there was a little uh, Freudian slip there, though. You said, don't let me be. <laughs> <laughs> Lancey, you're in charge. Don't let me start a cult by accident. My, my point is, don't let me oh, like by accidentally accident. oh, okay. start a cult. Okay. You know, <laughs> gotcha. 
Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> um, that is something that could just escalate to the point where you're like, I was just asking for this one thing, and then people just yeah. started giving me more stuff. And now you turn around, and you're like, why do we all live on an abandoned island in Hawaii? How did we all get here? <laughs> Drink this. I know. <laughs> I know. Who doesn't want to live on an abandoned island in Hawaii? Well, maybe this is when they trace it back for the documentary, they're going to look to this phone call. <laughs> they will. They will. And Tim and I are going to be like those characters in these cults that are like, like hyper protective of their leader. And I'm gonna, like, we'll get like really militant about it. Totally. Oh my God. Lance, I didn't want you to murder you. You murder seven people for me. I didn't ask you to do that, Lance. Well, you all but said you wanted them dead. <laughs> How, your life's easier now, right? You can't complain about your life. My life is easier. What's up? What? What? What call? Oh, fuck. Boys, I gotta go. Yes. Okay, no worries. Thank you, right. Patrick. Thank you for All having right. me, you guys. I love you so much. Thank you. Love, you love you too. Love you too. Mwah. All right, bye. 